small or small boy or girl Brown, pink or black or white And welcome back to Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy The podcast for children's musicians by a kid's musician There's an important distinction there between children's musicians and kid's musicians Clearly kid's musicians cater to the goat crowd Children's musicians cater to the other crowd But that's a different Ah. discussion (laughs) so today this is really fun and exciting because i rarely get to have somebody who's in my own personal sphere of friends and influence um on the old barn banter Uh, it's usually people that i've never met before but this is someone that i met a while ago and someone who i feel i have a close personal relationship with on a very fun way and we're going to talk to this person about a very unique perspective that they bring to children's music, I think. They do something I can't do. I don't know if I would want to do, but I know that I, I would need a heck of a lot more training to do, which is always kind of an interesting thing to talk to somebody who's better at something than you or me. It's me that we're talking about. I don't know if they're better than you. I guess we'll find out in about an hour when this conversation is over. And now, welcome to the barn, my very good friend, someone I'm super happy to have here, Mr. Matthew Nord. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Cowboy Andy. How are you? I'm doing well. You've passed the first test. You called me Cowboy Andy. Woohoo! I feel vindicated. Okay. I studied. (laughs) You did. (laughs) Um... So at this point in the conversation uh, is where I'd like to go into the, well, who are you and what do you do? But I'm going to, we're going to get there, but I'm going to preface all of this just so that people understand what's going on. All six of you, including my mom. Hi, mom, who might listen to this. And Matthew's wife. Hi, hi Jenna. Um, uh, Matthew and I founded the Salamanders, my band. Uh, he came to me originally and we, we jammed a little bit and we met in a park one day for a gig that he had and marched a bunch of kids parade style up with our acoustic guitars to a little dance studio where I played some piano and he and he sang some songs and we just we just hit it off so well and then the over the next couple months it's like hey do you want to do a thing and it's like well yeah and then somebody got a gig at a a, a local place that had a family friendly Friday night and he said well I got a bass player and we have this potential drummer who's not really a drummer but wants to play and next thing you know (laughs) ding dang dang I had a band for the first time in my life I was involved with something like this and for a good many years we we did a couple albums and we just had a great time and as things go with schedules and the way life works, Matthew's like, I'm, I'm going to step out because uh, my I got four kids and a business and I've got no time. And I was like, that's beautiful, cool. But he remains a very vibrant and active and wonderful part of my life. And oh my God, I'm still talking. Matthew, tell me, who are you and what's your story? <laughs> hey, Cowboy Andy. That was a great introduction. It, it brought back a lot of good memories, especially the march up to the Downtown Dance Collective for... Some kids' vibrations. Yeah, that was cool. I believe, I believe that was the event. Yeah. So yeah, I'm Matthew Nord. I was born and raised in Missoula, Montana, and operate a studio here called Tangled Tones Music Studio, which I teach private and group lessons from and drop quarters on the floor. And um work with all different ages to make music in the community. That's the primary goal of the studio along with diversity and different types of music and uh, I think my earliest memories of knowing Andrew were working with his kids in a class called Rhythm Tykes so that's part of how we got to know each other before we started the Salamanders and that's a big part of the work I do I work with uh, teaching young kids music whether it be in group lessons or classes or going to Montessori's daycares, schools, and carrying on the program that's called kids vibrations in schools mm-hmm. where we learn how to sing, dance, move, and have a good time with music. And see, that's the aspect of that. I don't think that I, I don't have the, I don't have the, the, the talent set or the skills or the training to, to do that. I want to jump back before we get into that. Cause I definitely want to talk about that. That's, that's an element that I think is really that I'm curious about as far as how you got into it, how you do it, how you creatively as an entrepreneur and a business owner, as you manage that. But um, your story, if I, and I could be wrong, but you didn't begin as a musician 
with the lifelong desire to get into children's music and performing and sharing the joy of music with everybody. You, uh, and which is which is usually the common trope. I mean, you know, people say, "Oh, well, you know, I was six and I started to play the guitar, and then my family was a musician, and it was just this natural thing." But yours is not such a ne- not necessarily a natural evolution, is it? I would agree for sure. (laughs) I I took piano lessons starting when I was six until I was 12, which were very much forced upon me by parental direction. And um, I'm very thankful for them now, but my only memories of them were lots of tears and staring at notes that I didn't understand and doing my best to keep going. And then I, Definitely early on, I didn't know it then, but you know, I had a knack for music, I had a knack for rhythm, but I didn't understand it when I was younger and took a big break from music when I was in middle school, come from a family of sports people, lots of sports, and I got into sports, didn't give any time to music until I was a senior in high school and a lot of friends were picking up the acoustic guitar and I thought that looks interesting. And I noticed that there were always lots of girls sitting next to the guys that were strumming the acoustic guitars. So uh, I started to teach myself guitar. That was kind of my journey back into music. And then uh, in college, I was studying biology with a dream to go to the ocean and do marine biology and started to want to understand how music worked, how the theory worked. And I started asking questions to teachers, started taking lessons, and I couldn't find the answers I was looking for. So I went to the music department at the University of Montana and asked if I could take the theory courses. And they said, yes, you can, but you have to be a uh, music major. And I said, oh, I don't want to be a music major. Can I just take the courses? And they said, no. So I thought about it hard for a while and then decided I wanted it bad enough. I guess at that point in life that I declared a music major and did music composition and technology at the university of Montana. And I did that for a year and a half. And then I got distracted by anthropology, which I graduated with a degree in anthropology while I continued to do a number of independent studies with some different professors in the music program at the time. And still at that point in my life, had no intention of teaching music, running a music school or a music studio. And But I happened to take on a job at a daycare that I just saw an ad in the university's newspaper, I think, saying $10 an hour, maybe $15 an hour. I thought, wow, the pay looks pretty good. I've never taught music to kids, but I think I could do it. <laughs> and so I took, took that gig at Angel Daycare. and. Uh, started to have parents ask for lessons and it just started to trickle from there and taught lessons from my house for quite a while and then started to envision a community music center which eventually I called Tangled Tones Music Studio and had a dream of creating it as a nonprofit, which I started studying vigorously and working on but it never reached the nonprofit status it it started as a small small business when I moved out of my house to teach full-time. And that's kind of where I think I, that's where our story, yours and mine kind of crossed over is when you were working with Tangled Tones and to, to kind of set the stage, that was such a unique space that you were operating in because you had um, a building that was broken into, I don't know, six different mini studios and then kind of a large central area and then off the side, it was an area that you created a recording studio in. And you, if I remember correctly, you rented out those office spaces to other teachers in your mm-hmm. area, in the, in the area, who wanted to do monthly lessons. And then you, and then if they had performances or something, you could all come together and they could share that open space. You did the, uh, it was, was it the uh, Kids Vibration? Did, did you do that there as well? Yeah, Kids Vibration started in the common area of that studio off of South Avenue and quickly grew too big for the space and moved it to a number of different community venues in Missoula. Mm -hmm. But it began there in that space. I don't know that Tangled Tones would have got to the point it did without randomly finding that space. Mm -hmm. And it was a very random find. What is so cool, though, because from... 
and you and I had a conversation early on. I was like, well, I want to make a living doing music. And in my mind at the time, that meant that you had to write music, record music, release music, tour and play and sell merch. And that that was basically the only way that you, that you could, or the only way that I could envision me making a living making music. But your approach to it was com- wasn't com- was different in the sense that, because I remember us having this conversation at one point and you saying, well, you know, do you want to play at schools? Do you want to do lessons? Do you want, you know, and you started to basically list all the different ways that you take your business into the community to... Mm-hmm to make it sustainable as a business. And I found that to be um, overwhelming at the time, as far Mm -hmm. as like, holy God, the amount of hustle that you have to do. Uh, But now as I've gotten more familiar with other people in the music industry, there's a mix of people who do both, but a lot of people are doing what you're doing, but I don't hear often that they're doing it to the same extent, especially like as you were doing at Tangled Tones. And with the camps that you do and the, the diversity of camps that you do and the drum circles, you're doing a ton of different things. Like, just for instance, let's take last year, 2019, because 2020 doesn't count. <laughs> just it doesn't count. Um, I, I think they've been talking about taking it off the calendar here. Yeah. I think so. It's like that. What is it? It's the 13th floor in the <laughs> elevator. Um, what did you do in 2019 for in your business? If you could just rattle off the different programs that you organized and ran as a, as a music entrepreneur. Okay, it's a lot. Sorry, I didn't prep go, you for yeah. this, but we'll see. What okay. you get. No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go here, Andrew. Let's see. I brought music to nine or ten different schools, and that could be ages two up to high school level. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are schools that I would go to weekly. And so like once a week also, or I, twice a week for those music uh, once once a week, yep. And mm-hmm. recently I've started teaching a fair distance out of Missoula, Woodman School, which is out in Lolo, Sunset School, which is out near Paz Up. Um, those are two bigger school projects that I've taken on recently. So I was doing those, teaching anywhere between 30 and 40 private students, um, group classes in ukulele, guitar, running a program called Living Rhythm, which is hand drumming and rhythm workshops that I bring to schools around uh, northwestern Montana. Um, Playing with the band, which is a program that youth come to once a week and we play in a group setting and we learn to play together, play a show live in the community Often we'll record one or two songs. We work on cover songs and originals. Um, it's been a while since I've ran Rhythm Tykes, which is a class for kids age zero to five. And that's primarily due to moving to different studio space where I didn't have have the room to run that program anymore. So uh, Rhythm Tykes, I don't think, ran in 2019. And... I don't think I played in the Salamanders in 2019. I think that'd be more like 2018, 2017, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take on a fair amount of students who want to learn to record, use their computer for digital recording production projects, which I always really enjoy that process and getting to dive in deep with youth's creative side. Um, so that and raising four kids, I think, Tied up my time. Well, you also do weddings too, don't you? I, I do do a few weddings here and there. I feel like the last couple of years have been not super busy in the summer for weddings. Uh, did just do a wedding a few weeks ago, which was really joyful. Went up Patty Canyon and we had a ceremony under a humongous ponderosa tree. Mm. Played some djembe and the kids that were in the wedding, they did all the singing, which I did some lessons with them for the wedding songs it was a lot of fun and can't make a wish uh can't make a dream yeah that's a a big part yeah can't make a dream which is a oncology retreat center out by gold creek montana is a big project i usually do in the summer and fall where i'll bring living rhythm and the drum pro drum project out to can't make a dream and we do drum circles of you know 40 to 50 people with the cancer survivors coming there to just have a time away from normal life and 
have a lot of joy and happiness. They get a zip line and ride horses and mm-hmm. swim in the pool and have a drum circle. So that's, that's always a highlight of the summer and enjoy being involved with them and really missed seeing them this summer with COVID going on. Yeah. The, the scattering of things that you do and that sort of, I don't want to call it the hustle, but to constantly, you know, it seems it's, it's one thing to go to a school. And I don't know if you do this on the individual school level or the district level, like where your entry point is. And I'm probably, it's probably different with each community, but creating those relationships and then, developing those contracts where you go in and say, yes, you know, uh, Hellgate grade school, we're going to do a, oh, Hellgate. Yeah. That's where, that's the high school I went to. It isn't some random thing. It's Hellgate in uh, Missoula, Montana. And there's a high school and a grade school. So yes, I left Hell's Gate to enter the world after high school. So now you know, now you know more about me. Um, but like, do you, do you, when you do that contractually, do you approach the school, the school district? How do you get your ins with schools to say, Hey, I want to teach music. Oh yeah. Uh, at this point, usually it's word of mouth and they're reaching out to me and I've heard that I've brought, you know, living rhythm or kids vibrations to their school. Um, and I've been involved with spark arts, which is a new program in Missoula, bringing arts to the schools, which I think is a great thing. And I've enjoyed being involved with them. Um, and that's another way that often I get connected to a school. You know, last year at Lowell School, I brought in a music from Recycled Materials Project. And we made boomsticks out of PVC pipes. And we learned a recycling song by Jack Johnson. And we were about to perform it. And then COVID hit. But that was that was a lot of fun with Lowell third graders. And that's one way I get connected to the schools is through Spark Arts in Missoula. Um, I don't know, I like the hustle thing, Andrew. I've been thinking about renaming the studio and the hustle could be a strong contender. That's a good one, yeah. Do you remember, uh, did you ever do the hustle? Uh, You mean like out on the basketball court? Oh, that hustle. I have a degree in square dancing. Double, actually, double basketball square dancing. I'm gonna have to. That's a song, the hustle. The I, hustle. I feel like I have came across that, but I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Oh, and the whole dance, the whole dance. It's just like, yeah, it was like it's this. I'm, you know, here's the thing. Never learn how to do the electric slide because at some point somebody's going to ask you to do it, and then you'll be right. up there where you don't want to be oh, directing one, the electric slide. Yeah, one, once I did um, play a wedding. I performed at a wedding and I DJed a wedding, and I will never do that again. But. DJ or play? Or you, DJ, you won't DJ? Uh, do do both things, yes. Yes. Yeah, it was... I don't, I don't, I don't even... I don't even know how we... Uh, you know, I played the live music first, and then they moved the later night stuff and moved to the DJing. <laughs> and yeah, that was, that was an interesting experience. It was fun. It's probably better doing that than the other way. Because what you don't want is like, well, we're going to DJ and then switch over to live, and then we switch to live, someone's like... Can't you just go back to Here's, playing the stuff we know? Right. Well, I think the the whole thing is this. When it's somebody holding a real instrument, they know like, well, he might know a song and I'll come respectfully put in a request and he might know it. And I understand though, if he doesn't know it, because he's like, he's not a music encyclopedia. But if you're a DJ and you can't play the song they want, you're like the worst person on the planet. Because <laughs> that's, the, that's so the age we live in. to drunk wedding parties. He, well, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, he might not know how to play it, so it's okay. Are you sure it's Inagata Davida? Can't you just knock that out? Come on, it's my favorite. Actually, it's no one's favorite at the wedding. I'd want to be at that wedding. Uh, yeah, okay. I understand. I don't do weddings. I did I did my wedding, but that's because I was there, but I didn't sing. I played that's it. So, okay, so I'm gonna just go ahead and take weddings off the list of things that you're good at. There we go. Doesn't do weddings. That's somebody. So I do like doing weddings. <laughs> Just how Bar you do it. starts with <laughs> Matthew Nord does everything but weddings. <laughs> Matthew Nord is amazing instrumentation, but no weddings and no children under the age of two or over the age of six. Is <laughs> that sweet spot? Playing with a band, I think, is interesting because, well, first off, you've taught both my kids how to play piano. And so I know that side of you. I've seen you, uh, I've sat in your studio as you give instruction to a highly distracted six year old. 
and have been like, he's got more patience than I do. And um, <laughs> also been the frustrated parent sitting next to that six-year-old two days later being like, I know how to play the piano. I know how to read the music, but it's your job to figure... Oh, my God, man. But uh, you have a gift working with kids, and uh, the results are fantastic. But the playing with a band thing is something that I think is so cool. Because from what I've seen, you bring together a group of kids, and your requirements are different than some of the requirements of other band um, activities that I've seen. So... Before I start to, to say what they are, tell me a little about what are your expectations? How do you go about setting that up, age requirements, uh, communicating with kids to pull that together? Because sure. your stuff is, is when, when I see the groups that you work with perform, I'm like, I don't want them opening for me because they're really good. <laughs> and well, I don't want to open for them because I'm 50 years old. So how do you do that? Well, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, you know, playing with the band started from another project Tangled Tones did very early on called Summer of Rock. And it's probably one of my favorite projects that came from the studio. And Nathan Ayer, who now lives up by Polson and still teaches music and is a great performer. Um, we started it together. And I know when we started it the first year, we said that kids needed to have one year of private instruction with our goal being that, you know, they're not showing up to the camp and needing to learn all the basics that they had some structure coming. And we just felt that we needed to put that limit on the camp um, to give some direction and to help us form the camp. When we did the first year of the camp, we had no idea what really what we were doing, but we thought it was a great idea and it, it did turn into a great idea, but um, having some experience coming to camp, showed to be very important and really I just transferred that over to playing with the band that um, playing in a group I think is a goal that a lot of people have when they come to music it might be one reason they want to learn an instrument so they have that dream of playing with other musicians and it's a challenging endeavor to do that but it also I think is what keeps the spark going and I know when I started Tangle Tones that was one of the goals to have people play together and help them do that as soon as possible with guidance. Mm. I think everybody's realized when they go to play with other people, it usually takes some guidance. It takes somebody that has a little more skill or a little more understanding to glue everything together and keep it rolling. So um, it also, I think is a, a good solid business model, you know, to, to promote taking lessons so that they can do that that idea of playing in a group that is inspiring to them you know so when they call and say hey i want to do your camp say great uh you need to take some lessons first and i can help connect you to a teacher in the community whether it be myself or somebody else on an instrument so you don't you don't require that they actually go through you but just that no. you feel that they're competent or comfortable with their own with their musician with their instrument Definitely. And that's another reason I love Summer of Rocket. I, I felt it made a lot of connections in the community and you know, we're connecting with mu music stores mm. and getting sponsorships, but also driving business back to them um, and just connecting a lot of different teachers. You know, basically when a kid wanted to do Summer of Rock, we would always ask, you know, who their teacher was so we could connect with them and kind of find out where they were a little bit. And, you know, I started connecting with all the teachers in the community, letting them know this project was going on and it was something that maybe their students would be interested in doing. And Summer Brock brought in a lot of artists during the camp. We'd bring in musicians from the area mm -hmm. to play as a band or to play as a solo artist or a teacher. And it was a good way to, to have them connect with more students and present what they do to a good number of youth. That seems like such a a brilliant opportunity, especially like in a larger community, like if you were in Chicago or Seattle, uh, places like in the United States right now where there's a big uh, kids' music vibrant community, Portland, Oregon. You know, you could establish that, find a venue, probably pretty easy, and bring in five or six active musicians in the children's industry, in the children's market to say, who already kind of get kids, who already kind of get a feel for that. And give them best practices and tips and tricks and that sort of thing. How do mm -hmm. you, when it comes time for 
uh, performance then for these kids? What do you focus on with them to help them deliver the performance that they've been practicing for? Mm, can you say that one more time, Andrew? Well, I'm just trying to see, see the the performance aspect of the playing with a band is always it's always really tight. And I see kids up there, and they have their jaw set in that way that somehow that they get it. Like they're there to have fun, but they're also there mm-hmm. to deliver a performance. Yeah. And there's that on stage trust. All those things that I've learned being in a band and playing live for you know ten years. I see some of that experience start to germinate in them. How what do you how yeah. is how big of a part of your training is that when it comes to the kids? Just the youth knowing that this is where we're headed. We're headed for a performance right there sets their bar of practice higher than say I'm just, I'm taking lessons and there's no performance or recital or anything set on the calendar. Mm-hmm. So knowing that you're in a session, say if it's summer of rock, you have a week to learn songs mm-hmm. and perform them. That's a big, you know, the teachers are focused, the students are focused. Um, and there's that common goal with everybody of, Hey, we're going to go stand in front of people with our instruments and try to impress them. So yeah. <laughs> I think that right there helps keep the focus. And I, th- I think bringing in the artists all week long, you know, in Summer of Rock, there's usually an artist every day who would perform, but then also talk about their trade and talk about what it's like to be a professional musician. And I think that really hit home with all the kids coming to camp, especially those kids that I could see coming to camp who really wanted to be a musician. This is something they wanted to do like bar none, it was very clear. It gave them a chance to connect with people doing what they wanted to do. Mm. And it gave them a chance to see them up close, not on a stage far away or with, uh, to me, a stage is a little bit of a disconnect between a crowd and the performers. They get to hang out with them in the same room, ask them questions, come up to them afterwards and say, Hey, thanks. That was really inspiring. Um, I think that did a lot for the, performance part of the camp actually mm-hmm. to bring their level of playing and their level of stagemanship up. Yeah. It's obvious. I mean, it's obvious to see these kids when they get on stage that they've been prepped to a certain extent as far as to know that, yeah, this is kind of when it matters. I mean, it all matters, but this at this point you really have to like lean back and trust the people around you. So uh, it's the, the unavoidable con- uh, content right now is, well, well, you know, what the hell are we doing when we can't be in person? And it's a little Mm -hmm. bit different Mm -hmm. right now than it was four months ago. You switched all of uh, your, or at least as far as I know, you switched your private practice to virtual. Mm -hmm. How's that going? You know, it's, it's going pretty well and definitely missing the live and in-person playing. Um, but early on, I made the decision for the fall to stay primarily online with my lessons. Um, and I've been doing a a fair amount of outdoor lessons with a group setting from my backyard, which has been great as well. But it's, you know, at first when the first week of online teaching started, I was pulling my hair out and staring at the computer thinking, I I can't do this Mm -hmm. for another couple weeks. And it was just a technology curve to learn and to also help others learn. I think once again, it, it, you know, those that could move forward online, it's because they're a good teacher and they're willing to adapt. You know, I was, I was willing to adapt. I was willing to figure things out and I was willing to talk to other people in the community and say, Hey, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. That was a big, big help to getting things figured out. You know, people like yourself who are doing things already online. Um, And it's really gone pretty well. And I've enjoyed it. There's a lot of positives to it that brought new ideas. Um, you know, there's a an app called Tanara, which has become a huge part of my teaching. And it'll stay even when I go back to in-person, but definitely makes the online teaching much, much easier. Mm-hmm. So um, playing with the band switched to a mode of recording the youth one-on-one in the studio with masks on at a distance. And that went pretty well. Um, and also been doing, you know, as with your son, he, you guys stayed remote and we've been doing recording 
distance. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a number of other steps to overcome. And, and the only reason that was possible was because you had recording gear and software available at your house. And, um, and I've been doing a lot more of that than usual of teaching how to record online as opposed to in person. And there are definitely a huge number of obstacles to overcome. But once you figure them out, it's, it's all doable. And mm-hmm. like I said, it has, I think, as many positives as there are negatives. So. Which is kind of surprising because I think a year ago, if everyone said, oh, hey, um, you want to jump over and just do virtual practices and virtual lessons from here on out, what do you say? I don't think, I don't think many people would have voluntarily jumped into it without the need, you know. Well, and, and for instance, <laughs> right, yeah. moving yeah. forward, or is this something that you're going to con- you're going to continually offer? Even let's say like a year from now, and everything is fine, we have the all clear. What if there's still some students like who are like, well, you know, I, I just it's really tough for me to make it to your practice space. Can we just do everything virtual? Yeah, yeah. You know, at at this point, I'm open to that, and also. I realized early in the summer when I was starting to have some people come back in person with certain restrictions that it was actually quite challenging to do some online and some in person because there are different setups. And I, I think it's an obstacle to overcome and I'm actually getting ready to solve that issue because I see this going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there's a fair amount of people who are like, yeah, this is great. Uh, I don't have to travel across town. I don't have to drive in rush hour traffic. Um, I can stay in my pajamas and I can grab a snack. You know, you, you don't usually have snacks at your studios, but I have snacks at home. So <laughs> might have to have a new rule of, of not snacking during lesson. I don't know, but um, I'm open to it. And also, you know, my wife and I have been talking a lot about, Hey, you're online. You can teach online from Oregon. Can we, can we travel for a week and keep teaching? And yeah, yeah if, if you have Wi-Fi, you can, you know, so it, it, I think the opportunity is available and people have been doing this kind of thing, not just with music, with, with all kinds of life uh, for years now. Yeah. Without something that spurs them, that it's a necessity to do, you know, I've been watching people on a sailboat live life for quite a while. That's mm-hmm. very inspiring to me. You know, yeah. that's and sharing how they do it. I'm never going to see you in person again, am I? (laughs) And then Matthew got a motorhome, put his kids in, and that was it. We still still had practices. I Venmoed him, you know, the the payments, and it was awesome, but I never saw him again. Speaking of, when when is the last time we saw each other in person, Andrew? (laughs) That's a better question. (laughs) I I was just thinking... (laughs) I don't know when the last time. I think there uh, there was a recital... Uh, in that, that was online. Oh, that, yeah. That, that, well, we saw there? each other since then. Yeah. No, I don't think we yes. did. Or did we? Maybe we had No, I think I, I have a distinct memory of talking to you sometime after that in the studio. Okay. But yeah, it, it's definitely been like, well, that it's been was over like six months. February or, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. it's already crazy. in September. Jeez, is that crazy? <laughs> it's crazy. And there's only like six people in the state of Montana. So the fact that we haven't seen each other just randomly is like, it's amazing. But then again, it's a pretty big place. So what about, uh, what about the schools and stuff? How's it looking for you as far as going back and, uh, and teaching music? That's a because we're doing, question, that, we're doing yeah. this weird, you probably know better than I do. What is going on with uh, the local school district as far as kids coming back at this point? Yeah, at this point, it's all just started back up and, you know, they gave a choice of a hybrid model of going in person for a couple days of week and then doing the rest of the week online. So even if you're doing in person, it still is partly online. And then there's the Missoula online Academy, which is strictly online, which my family and ourselves, we, we chose to go that route um, primarily just because we, we really think it's going to be all online and, <laughs> A couple of weeks, most and, likely. And you're going to go to who, Oregon. Who knows? <laughs> and, and we will be going to Oregon in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as schools that I work with, that's quite interesting. You know, normally I have every contract lined up at the beginning of August and things are set to go. And last spring I had about half of my schools after we started to get the online stuff figured out, 
I, I was offering music on Zoom and the, the kids would all log on from their houses with their parents. So, I mean, I mean, their parents would help them log on. Some parents enjoyed the music too and some parents just got them set up. But um, we'd do music on Zoom. I'd mute all the kids. I'd sing the songs. They could sing and dance on their side of the Zoom. And it really went way better than expected. And I spoke with a number of directors already that they'd like to do that in the fall, but everything's just delayed getting things set up because of everything else they're dealing with. So right now I, I, I kind of think I might have like half the schools I normally would and none of them will start until October instead of starting in September. Um, and, you know, just right now waiting to hear back from folks if that's a route they want to go. And <clears throat> part of what I'm working on is, is producing videos that will be used along with the live zoom music class like once a week so mm -hmm. um yeah it's looking forward to seeing how the the fall unrolls um as a business person i would say having done um zoom meetings and this sort of stuff if i i think the flexibility that you would offer as a teacher and the technical prowess that you need and equipment and all this stuff, it would seem to me that you would be able to charge a, uh, a charge more to do a Zoom music session than you would if you were doing like a weekly in person. I mean, to me, to me mm -hmm. from the from the consumer standpoint, think, it'd be like, yes. yeah, if you charged an extra 25% because now you're doing the Zoom thing, that would seem fair. What do you, right. how do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I think it's if... Definitely. There's got to be a change there. Um, and I agree with you and it's something I've been calculating and looking at. And then it's also difficult because, um, you know, already m most directors I spoke with this year were like, we're running at half mass. We have half the kids that we normally do. Um, and and they're also asking for half the time from me, you know, instead of coming to the school for an hour and a half and doing three different groups of kids because they're different ages, but also just because there's so many kids to break them up into smaller groups, you know, they're saying, hey, can we do one half hour of Zoom? And so, yeah, everything's a whole new ball game on the business end mm -hmm. of, of figuring out. And, you know, and I've had ideas of saying, you know, kids' vibrations – which started as a donation-based program that my mother-in-law, Lynn Talrico, who's also a piano teacher, we started it. And it was an idea where kids of all ages and parents could come and see live musicians from the community, participate in singing and dancing. And it was a donation-based program. And <clears throat> that was great. And we enjoyed running it. And we ran it for a couple years together. And then I was running it on my own. And that's really the program that turned into kids vibrations that was running in schools that I bring it to schools. It's that's not open to the whole community. And originally it was just a once a month program. We'd meet on the third Saturday of every month. Now I've been thinking of starting that program again, but on zoom. Hmm. And instead of all my schools being separate saying, here's what I offer and come do it on this day. <laughs> that's another thing that happened for me is, I thought when COVID started, lessons might really drop off. It went the other direction. It went up in a very steep fashion. And over the summer, I've taught more lessons and classes than I ever have. And going back into the fall, I had to figure out, well, am I going to drop a bunch of students to go back to doing schools? Or, how, you know, what am I going to do? Um and that's been a hard decision and that, you know, of, yeah, but how would you anticipate <clears throat> that? How would you anticipate? I, would, that, I want it all. Yeah. Like, uh, you, know. you know, suddenly everybody's at home. I mean, in hindsight, it makes total sense. If you're a parent, it's like, well, okay, we're all stuck here and there's that old piano that nobody's played for exactly. a while. <laughs> and you guys, you're going to, you ever, everybody's going to learn to play the piano this summer. Okay. <laughs> And you hear the That's kids pretty like, much how it oh, went. I want to go play with my friend. <laughs> nope, you're going to play piano, your new friend. I, Sit down I and think applaud them. <laughs> Sit down at Mr. Yamaha. I think I've had two, two different families approach me and say, our whole family wants music lessons. How much does that cost? <laughs> A million dollars. 
and all and 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 all at once, not at the same time. We want everybody to gather all around. Five of us can't, different the, the, the firelight of the time. Zoom. Matthew's gonna magically. We're all gonna be playing on trap style. Yeah, that's gonna cost you a thousand bucks a session, and that's four hundred dollars you already owe me. So let's get started. I love this guy. Like this is great. It's great because maybe this is like the touch point that people will remember for the rest of their lives. Like, oh, uh, Chopin, how did you learn to play piano? Well, it was the summer of COVID, you know. And, it was uh, this pandemic. It was this pandemic, yeah. When the first pandemic hit. Oh, the first when, when one. Jim, when oh. Jim Morrison wrote, uh, Come on, baby, light my fire, it was really inspired by a pandemic. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. Maybe it was. <laughs> See, and I would be like, I, I'm nodding like, I'll believe. I, I okay, that was the 1970 pandemic of that was free a love. Type of different, yeah, exactly. um, well, he thought it was a pandemic. He thought everyone was sick. Uh, so, so then, okay. So how? So let's figure this out. Moving forward, then all the kids say they want to have a lesson. Now you've engaged all these folks. And if people listening to this didn't see that spike, well, you should have done better at your marketing. And But there's still time because we're still in the middle of it. So what happens now? What happens now with all these students? Because, and this is the other thing about being a music teacher that's always been, I've been, it's like being a bartender. You don't bartend at 10 in the morning. You bartend at 8 to midnight. You don't teach classes, you know, at 1 in the afternoon unless you're teaching my kids who are homeschooled, you teach, it starts like the minute they get out of school and there's that pressure, there's a limited amount of time before dinner, after dinner, before bed, fitting in homework. When you, mm-hmm. when parents say, yeah, you can teach my kids during this time, don't touch the weekends, you know, I have to imagine. Now it's been open. What happens with the, with the kids that you've taught next? Yes. Schedules are crazy. It, um, Basically have a lot of scheduling held up with parents and kids that just in the last couple of days got answered because we didn't know the schedule of online school. We really didn't know the schedule of the hybrid model either. So, and they're all, they're all different, which grade school, middle school, high school has always been kind of staggered with, I believe the intent of if you have multiple kids in your family, you don't have to pick them all up at the same time. That makes sense. You know, so they're continuing to be staggered. And just now <clears throat> I'm able to start scheduling with people. You know, I think a lot of people also thought they were going to have a lot more flexibility if they chose online. They thought, oh, because the, the way it went at the end of the school year last year was do things basically at your own pace. And I think ourselves included thought that's what the model would look like. Okay, here's your coursework. I mean, it's really kind of like homeschool, just that you're doing it <clears throat> in conjunction with the MCPS teacher. But they finally came out saying, okay, online school is happening, say, Mm -hmm. for high schoolers. It's 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. And you have to be online for this much time. There will be breaks here and there, but it's it's a schedule just like school is. So I know that threw a wrench in a lot of people's planning because I don't think they expected that. They expected it to be a little more flexible. We're doing the same thing. We do the online thing that you do with our oldest because he's in in high school, and the young, the our younger one. We're just doing the the traditional uh, homeschool method that we have. Mm-hmm. So there's so it's much more of that. Just log in, get your assignments, get it done. You can interface with the teacher if you need, but there isn't the the need to sit on a tablet for five hours or be be engaged in that way for five hours. So yeah, that's yeah. I don't. There's no That's, good answer for any of this, and I'm glad that I don't have to make the decision. Like, I yeah. I'm glad I don't have to try and plan that because I would be like, just read a book. Uh, yeah, kids, <laughs> you got to read three books a month, and, and when this is over, we'll all come back to the playground and figure it out. But just keep reading, yeah. and then keep and reading. Cook something. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. So take a piano lesson. And that that a very common response and some feedback I was getting early on in the summer was. Even before I announced I was staying online, I had a lot of parents saying, my kid's not going to want to do Zoom lessons. They're Zoomed out. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they did Zoom at the end of the spring. And I'll be honest, a lot of those parents, it changed though, because <laughs> they all came back saying, no, we'll do Zoom lessons. There's, actually, there's absolutely no activities our kids can do right now. So yes, we'll do Zoom lessons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's about to get weird here too. Summers in Montana are glorious. Everybody wants to be out on the river and playing and be, and even, you know, finding ways to be safe and socially distancing, socially responsible in that way. But when winter hits here, which I think is scheduled to land in probably about 45 minutes, the way the season goes here, it's all indoors. I mean, there's skiing and sledding, but man, when it gets like 15 below or even 20 degrees and the wind blows and it's just nasty out, it's everything is indoors starting in about five weeks. And that's going to change a lot of people's. That's, uh, you know, I have a a couple outdoor classes going on in my backyard for an eight week session, which for me, and because I'm going to be gone one week, it ends up, ending at the first week of November. <laughs> and there's a caveat in my marketing saying, if there's weather, which I had this caveat all summer long, if there's weather, we'll have to move to Zoom. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm curious how the fall will go. The summer went really well. We, I think I only did one Zoom class for the outdoor lessons out of eight for the summer. And really the, the thing I didn't think about was heat. You know, I have a pretty shaded space out back, but things got hot later in the summer mm-hmm. and I'm glad I ended and took a break what I when I did because in the last couple of lessons kids were kind of droopy and leaning over and yeah. falling over in their chairs because it was hot and they're tired and you know just we get enough sun as it is in the summer so we yeah, also that, we also got really lucky we didn't have the smoke here I mean there's been summers yes, before starting yeah. at the beginning of July where this uh, the forest fire smoke is so bad yeah, uh, it's it's unhealthy to be outside. We had a few of those days like recently, but it's kind of it's still not very nice out there. But we've been blissfully free of that. I, yeah, also. I've been very happy the last couple of days that it cleared up just a little bit. I saw the article of St. Regis fire started, and oh, we're gonna have more smoke, which it might come. But the last couple of days here have been the last just two days were clearer than I expected. But yeah, the, no no smoke for outside has been a blessing. Yeah. Sure. So moving moving forward, just a couple other things I wanted to chat with you about today. Um, you are moving to a you're moving to a new space to accommodate your <laughs> your new uh, virtual uh, a world, which is I've always I always think it's fortunate unfortunate because you have you've always had such lovely practice spaces and rehearsal spaces. Mm-hmm. And when we were in the band together, I always celebrated the fact that you had such lovely <laughs> rehearsal spaces because it was great to have a place for the band to play. But now Definitely. you're you're moving and you've talked about this um we had this conversation a few years ago where you were just trying to decide you had to move your studio from one place to another and you're like god, maybe I should just move home to do this mm-hmm. out of my house. Mm-hmm. And now that's what you're that's what you're actually doing. How does that feel to transition from office space to home space? <clears throat> it's a mixed bag and in general I'm I'm really excited about it. You know, primarily because I'm going to be mostly online but also doing a fair amount of backyard lessons. I'm super excited just to walk out my backyard for those lessons instead of carting a number of things home from the studio, which the studio was only a block away, which was nice, Mm. but um, still had that transition time that all throughout the summer, sometimes I was a little bit anxious of getting everything home and getting set up. So I'm really excited just to be home. Um, I really have a beautiful living room that's going to work great for lessons. And at this point, it feels like I've come, I'm coming full circle. Uh, I started lessons in the home, moved out of the home, and it's, I've had a lot of students comment on this that my studio has never been more than a mile from my home, mm. and I don't know how that happened, but it never has been. It's been in this small little radius from my house. And uh, so, yeah, there's some different plans of what we're looking at doing for the studio, but I'm excited to teach from home. I'm excited to be around and help my kids with school more since they're online. Um, I've made a decision to have Fridays off so that I can help out with school and Tuesday mornings off. So it'll be a, a much easier way to interface with the family and help with, with my kids, which I'm excited about. So right on. I think it's fantastic. Um, the, 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 the fact that you can do it and the weirdness about going virtual and being in the pajamas, like I know at the moment you're not wearing pants because you don't have to, and that's okay. But you know, <laughs> but because it's a Zoom call and this is this is audio, and so you know you can get away with that this one time. But uh, it should be it should be 
I don't know. It's like you were saying, like you didn't expect the Zoom lessons to be to actually have positives until it, until it rolled in, and and sometimes these transitions can kind of you know they they unearth those things, I suppose. Um, and then when this is all over, at some point, you know, you can always find your way back to a studio space, I suppose. Right. Yeah. And and I'm still looking, you know, but it's it really came down to that that the amount of money to pay for a space with how limited my use of it was it just was not making sense. And uh especially for what was out there and available. Um yeah, we'll see when this does all wrap up and when we when we get back to things. That was the other thing when this all started. <clears throat> didn't really know how long it was gonna be lasting or how it was gonna go and and we still kind of don't know, but yeah. we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And um, a big part of being home is I hope to get back to some more creative endeavors just because there is a doing my best to keep a little more space in the schedule. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it sounds schedule, like with so. the new, with the influx of new students that that's, I don't know. I think it's always more, it's, it's super important to make time for self creatively when you're getting these things. By the way, congratulations. I know it was a few months ago, but congratulations on the uh, recital that you did that my kids participated in, and it was via Zoom. And it was the coolest thing. Like you found it, you figured out a way to to do that, uh, to to pull that off, going from student to student, house to house, them playing. People were, people from like everyone in our family from the East Coast, the West Coast, everywhere were able to to see things. And this was kind of the cool thing. They were able to see like my kids' grandparents living out in Maryland had never seen them do a, a recital. And yet here they could actually sit there to do it. And surprisingly, they sat through the entire thing. You know, people, yeah, were, able, people were able to come and drop know, off and stuff, but they were like, and yeah. they were engaged. They're like, you know, if you, if for grandparents whose grandkids live a ways away or aunts and uncles, you know, they may not have been at, at a children's music recital for 20 years or 30 years since they, you know, went to the ones that their kids went to. And that was the thing that I thought was so cool is that those, those are unique experiences and you were able to, through, through the recital that you did through the Zoom, you were able to uh, just be like, hey, here it is. Now everybody gets to kind of re-experience. And, th and that was an experience that they got to share with us afterwards, which is like, God, I haven't seen that in so long. It was so cool to sit and listen to kids play, you know, for release. It's like, wow, yeah. it's so cool. That was, so. that was a really enjoyable experience. It, I was quite anxious to do that when it came down to the wire mm -hmm. that was happening. And uh, one of my biggest concerns was kind of people not sticking around for the whole thing because they're all in their own space and they're not in this one community space that, you know, we have this, I think, community respect of you come and you stay for the recital, you know, you stay for all the performances and really – yeah, people stayed on, especially people that weren't really, you know, weren't just the parents of, of kids. They were like your relatives way in Pittsburgh or on the East Coast, um, just enjoyed the whole thing. And um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It came off way better than I imagined. And I might have told you this already, but the next day Zoom just crashed and would not work. And the day after <laughs> that, it wouldn't have. And that was, that was my other big fear of like getting everybody online and then just technical problem after technical problem and like nobody you know two hours and three songs are played oh, <laughs> you yeah. know but it all right. it all went really smooth it was great so oh right yeah on. yeah no it came across from my side it came across so cool so cool matthew thank you so much for taking time today to uh, talk to me and my folks here in the barn banter uh there's probably a lot of other people out there and if possible i'm always a big fan of networking would it be okay for us to give some contact information if somebody wants to reach out they can always reach out to me but if they wanted to reach out to you specifically or learn more about what you do maybe how you have an online presence things like that where should they go to find you definitely uh first you go to www.tangledtones.com and also could check out the Tangle Tones Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Cool. And uh, yeah, and I greatly appreciate your time, Cowboy Andy. That was a lot of fun. Thank it you was for the banter. I'm gonna play. Uh, I'm gonna play a song off of that you and I recorded off the first album. I think I'll probably do a little bit of uh, Barefoot Booger Boogie because that's one of my faves. Awesome. That All sounds right. good.
coming out of my toes I'm just a three-year-old messy shirt and running nose I got nothing to lose, nothing to hide I'm cutting this dance floor side to side Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah Time, man. Love you. Yeah, love you, man. <laughs> Adios, amigos. Thank you, Andrew. Have a good one. That was my good friend Matthew Nord of Tangled Tones here in Missoula, Montana. Now he's like one of those entrepreneurs, one of those really cool dudes who decided to make a career out of music, going about it in the best way possible. He gives to the community and he teaches kids how to like connect with music. He's inspirational. And he's a darn nice guy and horribly talented too. That song we listened to was Barefoot Booger Boogie. It was off the Salamander's first album. It was one of the two songs uh, that he wrote and contributed. Of course, his contribution to the album was fantastic. And the next album, too, Bubbles. Keyboard singing all over the place was great. It was so much fun to play with and hang out with. If you want to learn more about what he does, I encourage you to reach out to him directly. He's really cool. He'll give you lots of pointers. He's, you know, he's really good at that hustle thing that we were talking about. Doing the hustle figuring out ways to make a go of it, to support your family and your community at the same time, and feed your creative soul. So my friends, until next time. Do the hustle. Do the hustle. That's right. I'm dancing, totally dancing. Okay, I'm gonna stop dancing now. I think we're gonna do the other thing. Should we? Yes. I wonder how these things are gonna crossfade. Oh, I can't wait to see. Uh, probably not as well as I liked. Oh. Oh. Let's sing a song about how we're all the same How we all like snacks and cuddles and we all like playing games We all like to be hung and loved up in our beds at night Call or small, boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white Oh, 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 let's sing a song about how we're all the same Tucked in our beds at night Tall or small, boy or girl